that awkward moment when the worship team are up there and they're playing away and they've got to the end, they've done everything they're tasked with doing and it's over to the preacher and he's, hold on, where is he? He's, he's at the back, he's talking to someone, what's he doing? And keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing. Sorry, mate. Right. <laughs> um, can we have the house lights up? Can we get them up full, please? Who's on the, uh, on the desk at the back? Yeah, are they up, Neil? I can't see anything. Have you, yeah, are they up, yeah? Do you know how long I've waited to be able to do that? Can we have them down a bit? Okay, just, just down a touch. Could you take him down a touch, Neil? Are you on him? Have you got the slider on? Is it, is it sorted? One, two. Just talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Take him down a bit more, Neil. Take him down a bit more. Just because we can. In fact, could you take him right up full? Let's have him up full. No, 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 that's too low. Right up full. Just because we... Can you see that we, we're getting there, aren't we? Bit by bit. We get, we're getting there and the, the room is... We're making progress, which is really exciting. So much happening. Tracy, is that video ready? That's fine, because there's something else I need, we need to show you. I can ad-lib for a moment. Well, actually, I'm not going to ad-lib. Um, unfortunately, I've got something um, sad to share with you. Sad... Uh, important. Some of you will know uh, Aslam, Nazim, and Sonia who come to church. They've been coming to this. In fact, a little bit of background of the family. They were from Pakistan and fled in persecution from Pakistan to Kuwait, ended up in Kuwait for quite a time. And we're on about terrible, terrible persecution, an awful journey. Eventually ended up in England. I've, I've known them in England for a good 20 years, I would suggest, around about that period of time. Um, you don't often see Simon, who's their son, who comes along. You sometimes see his partner who comes as well. But Simon was involved in an accident last night, nothing to do with COVID or anything like that. Um, but he is he's in a hospital, he's in intensive care. This is life or death situation at the moment. Um, he's on a ventilator. It is, it is as serious as it gets. The family, we've been on the phone to the family this morning, absolutely distraught. Vicky's there now, and I'm going to head over after the meeting. Um, but can we pray? Yeah. Can we pray? Can we just have a moment of prayer together as a church? There's power. We've just sang about the power in the name of Jesus. We, we believe that the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in his name, that he is there in our midst. So he's with us this morning. But he also says that where we agree, where two or more agree together about a thing and then take it to him, that it will be done. He says he's the God of healing. And I know at the moment that's maybe not something, it's a, it's a controversial topic, healing, isn't it? With COVID and all the stuff that we're being told and, and all of that that's going on. But God heals. Let, let, God, let man be a liar. Let God be true and man be a liar. God heals. He is the name over everything. 
over absolutely everything. That's what we've just sang. That's what we believe. So right now, Lord Jesus, Lord, in faith, Lord, we come to you together. Lord, we acknowledge you and your power. Lord, we acknowledge the power that you have given us on earth. Lord, firstly, we come to you first, Lord, and we ask for your help, Lord. We ask for your help. We come humbly, Lord, asking for your help, asking for your guidance, Lord, asking for your, your wisdom for this family, Lord, as to, Lord, to comfort them. Lord, you say you comfort those who mourn, Lord, and we know they're not mourning. Simon's not dead, Lord. We're believing in faith for his life, Lord, but they are mourning his health, Lord. They are in distress, Lord, and they need a comforter, Lord. So Holy Spirit, be their comfort right now. We pray, let them feel your presence so full of faith, Lord, on the phone and then trying to give them words of faith, and they're just full of faith over this situation. So right now, Lord, we take hold of the authority that you've given us, and we speak to you, Simon. We speak to your body right now over in that hospital in intensive care, and we speak life to your body, Simon. We, you are loved. You are beloved, Simon. Whatever you have done in your life, however you have lived your life, you are beloved, and love covers a multitude of sins, so you are forgiven, and you are clean, and you are whole because of faith in Jesus. And so we pray that you would take a hold of that right now. Accept it right now. I don't know where you're at in your faith. But first of all, before we even ask about healing, I, I speak to you through the Holy Spirit, Simon. I speak into you now in your dreams right now where you are. See Jesus. See God. See your Redeemer. See your Savior. See your Messiah. See your hope. See your counsel. See your comfort. See your faith. See it right now, Simon. Your God loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. You are his beloved and you are loved, not just by your family, but by your God. So take a hold of life now. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, take that message. We know you've done it before. Take that message to him now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Where are we at? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> can I show a short video clip? A slight change of tone. If we can get this up. This feels like church, kind of what's going on. Look at this guy here. I love this clip. Can we get the house lights down, Neil? This is rain. Well, it's kind of water all flowing on top of this guy. What a guy. What a guy to rise to the challenge and to go out there and to put himself under all that water to turn that off and deal with that problem and fix it. Yeah. I mean, I know we could do with losing a few pounds, but hey, we'll leave that for a moment. <laughs> what a guy. I'm inspired by that. I'm like, that's how I want to live my life. I want to I wanna kind of go out there in the middle of the storm, come against it and fight against it and, and take a hold of it. I want to live a meaningful life. 
Did, did any of you hear about there was a police officer who was shot dead? He, he, I mean, I was reading the, the testimonies about the guy. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. Christian or not. I don't know anything about his faith. But the guy just turned up to his shift at work, and he, he'd been training rugby a few hours earlier, and a, a guy had been arrested, and they didn't know how, I don't know how this happened, obviously it's a mistake, mistakes happen, a tragic mistake, I feel for the, whatever officers has, has maybe not done the job properly or whatever, I feel for them right now, but basically ended up in the custody suite, and something happened, there was an altercation, and they tried to, to, to get him under control, and he had a gun on him, and he shot this officer dead uh, in that moment. And, and, but it, what, what struck me were the tributes to this officer. When you read the tributes of, to this officer, he was a mountain of a man. The, the, the love for this guy, he was an inspiration to his fellow officers in how he lived his life, in what he did. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to live my life like that. I, I want to live a life that is an inspiration that just goes out into the storm, that faces the difficulties, that faces the problems in life and goes and takes a hold of them. And then for, for the people around, for my loved ones and you too, for your loved ones, that, that affects their life in a positive way, that is inspirational, that is life-changing. I, I want to do that. And in one sense, if you think about it, it, it almost sounds like a, a stupid thing to say because surely everyone wants to live that kind of life. Surely we've all been inspired. We've all watched the Hollywood films and Rambo and all of this and Superman when you were a kid or Batman or whatever it is that you, you loved and you enjoyed. And you're like, I want to I be a hero. I want to go and, and live a life. I want to change things. I want to do something inspirational. Maybe you've seen a Mother Teresa type figure and you've just thought, I want to do something like that. It might not be the Rambo kind of stuff, but it's something that goes out there and it's dedicated and it's committed and it's changing people's lives and it's, it's putting it out there and it's doing something that's significant and it's meaningful and it affects other people. Surely I can't imagine that, that there's anyone that doesn't want to live that kind of life. So the question surely is then, why do so many miss the mark? Why do so many of us live mediocre, non-effectual, non-effective lives that we look back on and we kind of say, well, I, I don't know what I, I did with my life. I don't know what the effect was. I don't know, you know, I, I didn't reach the mark. I had all these dreams of what I wanted to do. I've had those moments where, you know, I've been inspired and I've wanted to do that. I've wanted to be that. But if I look back, I haven't. I haven't lived that life. I haven't stepped out. I haven't stepped up to the plate. And you don't have to be Rambo to do this. You don't have to be Mother Teresa to do this. You could just be that you are a mother that brings up your family so well that your kids are so well-rounded because of the love and the, the model that they've had that they're just like, wow, my mum, she, she just really gave me the faith and the encouragement and everything I needed to take a hold of life and to go and do it and to, to live it and to do something good with my life. A dad, a brother, a sister, a son, whatever it is, that goes out and is able to do that. Surely we all want that. 
Surely that's what we all want. Peter, in the Bible, there's, there's a, a key moment with Peter. And, and it's when Jesus turns and, and he's, he's talking, there's this dialogue going on. And, and he's asking, he's saying, okay, what, what do people say? What are people saying about me? What are they saying about me? Who am I? What do they think about me? And they start relaying it back. And then Jesus just cuts right through it as he, as he does so, so well. No, no concern about offending anyone or upsetting anyone or, or political correctness or anything like that. Just cuts right through to the, to the chase. He says, okay, that's all great, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And when I think about that, when I was really thinking through that, when I think about that, and I think about that and this, I would suggest that the issue, the issue why, because probably most of us in this room would say, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. Okay? So, but I would suggest that the question is, okay, so who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is in your personal life? And, and it's one thing kind of, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. So in one sense, I know that Jesus said, you know, who do you say I am? But you've got to then follow it through with your actions. Otherwise, it's meaningless, isn't it? Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything, and, and we've come across that so much in our lives, and, and, and there's, a, there's a, a situation we're dealing with at the moment, nothing to do with the church at all, just with this person, and, and just talk, 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 and the talk doesn't match up the actions. The, 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 the two, one's over there, and one's over there, and you're like, what on earth? Talk is cheap. What are you doing with your life? How are you living your life? And, and I think the issue is the confession and who you say Jesus is. Because there's lots of people that would say, that would call themselves Christians. They say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, and they've got one certain thing about them. So it might be that they would say, I'm a Christian. I pray at night before I go to bed. Every night I say my prayers. Ever met those people? I'm not belittling this or saying there's anything wrong. Every night saying your prayers is a great thing, you know. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, all right? Yeah. And and you meet those people, and yeah, I, I'm a Christian. I say my prayers every night. Or I go to church every Sunday. That's a controversial one, isn't it? Because like I want you to come to church every Sunday, so that's really not a bad thing. That's a good, good thing. And and these the, you know, they, they say these things, or they might say, Well, I give I'm charitable. I'm charitable, you know, because I believe that God wants us to be charitable. And I love my enemies and, and di different things. And, and they, what, what, t what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking that, that picture in my mind of that person that has that one thing that, that makes them a Christian. You know, it's, they, they say this prayer every morning before they go out or they say grace or, you know, or, or they, they go to church on a Sunday or they give to the poor or, you know, you put your little thing after that. We all know those people, don't we? Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you have one thing that you're like, that makes me a Christian. And I'm not belittling it. And it sounds disrespectful because I've looked up to these people so many times and occasions in my life. But the thing is, one of the things that, the, 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 one of the phrases you hear in Christian circles, anyone heard the phrase full gospel? 
Yeah, full gospel. But what that means is that's like, hey, we believe in, in everything that that book says. We're not just picking and choosing some of it and we're going, all right, we like that bit, so we believe in that, but we don't really like that bit, so we don't believe in that. But it's like full gospel. The idea is that we're, you know, there's an organization, full gospel businessmen, and, and, you know, there's, yeah, and you go there and, and you know, and speak at it and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's a great thing, and although it's probably a little bit outdated in terms of today and society. But anyway, it's, and I mean it from the men's point of view, it's full businessmen, so, you know, maybe that's not ideal. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to bring them down or anything like that. But, the point I'm making is that full gospel, not just I pray so that makes me a Christian. I, I do this so that makes me a Christian. I do that so that makes me a Christian. You, you want to live that, that meaningful life, then your confession needs to be the full gospel. Now, if I was going to try and explain the full gospel to you, you'd get a bit fed up with me because we'd still be here tomorrow morning. You know, so there's not time to do that. So I want to share this morning five things that, that to, to help, you know, to focus on, to think about, if you like, as a starting point, the key, key areas of life that if you're getting these areas like you're on your way, and in fact, you could argue that if you're getting these bits right, if you've got these areas in your life, then actually the rest can come from this. They're quite well-rounded. Three of them are down to you. Two of them are really more down to God, you'd say. So there's a bit of a split in this. There's a bit of a split into how this works. And now, if you're the thief on the cross, right, and, and it's the end of your life and you become a Christian, it's, it's probably important to explain this if you're new to the faith or whatever. It's not about what you do that makes you a Christian. We don't believe that you can work your way into heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that, you know, you, you work really hard and you're a really good boy or you're a really good girl and you're going to get into heaven because, you know, you've done more good than bad. That's how it seems, isn't it? I remember when I first was thinking about God and, and thinking, I used to think each day, I've done more good than bad. Because if I've done more good than bad, then I must be on my way to heaven. Anyone done that? I'm not the only one then. Literally, I used to think, as long as I can make sure I do more good than bad, like a set of scales, then I'm, I'm going to be okay. That's going to be all right, and that'll get me into heaven. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's faith. It's faith. And so if you're the thief on the cross, if this is your last day on earth, and you only started today with a genuine, true faith, you go into heaven. There's, there's no doubt about that. You'd go into heaven. You are assured you are going to heaven because it's by faith. So this isn't meant to be a message about works and all of this kind of stuff. But if you're not the thief on the cross, you get saved today and you live another 30, 40 years, and your one confession is how God saved me on the, what is it, the 27th of September 2020, you know, God saved me that day. I was a mess and he saved me. And in 30, 40 years time, you're still talking about today. You're still talking about what God did for you today, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We need more than that. We need more than a one-dimensional experience of God. And this moment with Peter, it was life-changing. 
because Peter called Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You're my Lord. In other words, you have authority over my life. And, and Jesus' response to Peter was that you've not been taught this by man. God's revealed something to you. You've had a revelation. As a pastor of the church, right, I love it. If my message speaks to you, that's great. That's wonderful. But I would give that up every week for God speaking to you. For you saying to me, God spoke to me. Because me speaking to you is not much use to you. You could go away and go, well, that was Barry and that was what he thought and he's not around now, so I don't know what to do. And, and maybe he was just clever with his words. Maybe he was just quick and sharp and maybe he was good at debating or he's a great communicator. Actually, what I want you to hear from is God. I want you to hear from God because if you've heard from God, then you can't blame me. Come on. I was expecting a better response than that. You know, I mean, if you don't want to speak out because of COVID and all that, respect that, absolutely cool that. Maybe do that with your feet or clap your hands or, you know what I mean? Or just stick them up in the air or something like that. Make some noise somehow. Bang your chair or something. Just make some noise. Yeah, come on. Come on. Brilliant, Dan. That's good. Okay, so... Five things that you need to have a full gospel relationship with God. Five things that are going to help you to have a full gospel relationship with God. The first one, the most important one, the starting point, if you like, you need time. You need time. It takes time, but that time, it needs to be used up learning about God. What time are you spending getting to know God? How are you getting to know him? How are you doing that? What is your method? What is your way of getting to know God and understanding him? How do you learn about him? Are you just going with your gut of what you think God should do? These what would Jesus do wristbands that were so popular right? I think the problem with them is the sound, so many things in life sound like a great idea, right? But, and, 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 but it often, is it me or was the response to what would Jesus do? Always, ah, oh, they're there in an arm round and all of that. But didn't Jesus call the, 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 um, the Pharisees a brood of vipers? Didn't he go in with a whip into the, you know, didn't he do some things that were quite out there? So actually, the idea of what would Jesus do, I'm not sure that, because I, I think, unless you're going to base it on what he actually did in the Bible, rather than what you think he would do in that situation, then it's a bit of a waste of time. And the only way you're going to really know about what he did is by reading about it, by coming to church, by learning about it, by do, putting a bit of effort and a bit of work into it. And you can't just kind of start reading the Bible. Here's the thing, here's the, 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 the thing with the Bible, right? The, it's a big book, all right? Anyone complained, ever thought, this is complicated, don't have to get my head around that, it's just too big. Why can't God just make it a bit simpler to understand? Anyone ever had that kind of feeling, that thought, yeah, come on, that's it, bang, make some noise. All right, that's good. All right, all right, let me ask you this then. If God made the Bible a comic book instead... 
like, you know, really thin and, and just comic book-esque. Just like lots of pictures in there and really basic and dead fundamental and really like simple as if it was for a six-year-old and lots of colorful pictures. Would that be better? No, it wouldn't, would it? Because then the complaint would be, it's too simple. That's it. It's a comic book. What's the point of this? That's God's, God, you know, he's God. Then God's not really God because where's the depth? Where's the, where's the wide? Where's, the, where's the, the real true knowledge and the insight and the foresight? If you can understand the whole Bible and you can get it and you can read that in one go and it makes complete sense to you straight away and you're like, yeah, I've got it, book closed, got that one, let's go to the next book on the shelf. I would argue there's something wrong with it. Why is, it, why is the complaint and the, and the moan and the problem that the book's difficult to understand? Why is that a problem? What, what, what is a problem with it being difficult to get your head around? We're on about God, there's, what, I reckon 7 billion now. I mean, they, they talk these figures. No one knows, did he? They're just, just estimates, guesswork. But let's say there's 7 billion people on the planet, right? If we all got down on our knees now and prayed, every single one of us, God can hear all of our prayers and answer all of our prayers. So we're on about someone who can speak to 7 billion people at once. And he could probably cook a meal at the same time. You know, and like do a whole load of other things if he wanted to. I'm not sure he would, but if he wanted to, he's able to do that. He's keeping the stars in their orbits and the planets in their orbits around the stars and the galaxies in place and everything. He's created all of that. And, and yet we want to be able to understand him at our level really easily. And we don't want there to be too much depth in there because it scares us. Come on, get over it, right? The fact that you don't understand it all, the fact that it's a little bit difficult to get your head around, the fact that there's some bits, <laughs> pre-trib, post-trib, all that kind of stuff, right? Does anyone actually, can anyone say for true certainty, I know the answer to this? Controversial. You see, that's not the issue. The issue isn't whether we know whether it's pre or post trib, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with getting into that and studying it and understanding it. That's a good thing. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying here. The issue is that it is difficult to understand, and that's not a problem. It's a deep book. It's a big book. It's complex. You ain't going to read it in one sitting and it make complete and utter sense to you. That's not possible. So, you need to commit. You need to commit to studying that book, to reading it, to coming to church, to listening to the message, to really putting some effort in to grow and to learn. Because if you did that and you only devoted your life to that, You'd never understand it all. Never understand it all. Ever. It's not possible. And that's good. And that's right. And that's not a problem. It's a big book. He's a big God. Get over it. And let's just get as much as we can and know as much as we can and get our head around as much as we can and be a little bit humble and go, he's God. I'm just me. And that I, I know as much as I need to, and he's got me, and he's going to show me the things that I need to know.
But don't make that an excuse for not studying and getting to know him. Don't then complain that you don't know him because you haven't put the effort in to reading him because you've given up because it's too difficult. Well, there, there, it's too hard. You see, what would Jesus do? I think he would say something like that to you. There, there, it's too hard for you, is it? I think he might be a little bit controversial like that and just upset you a little bit and mix the apple cart up a little bit and be a little bit kind of pointed to you and go, get over yourself and stick at it and stop giving up. So get to know him. Commit to it. Reading the Bible, putting it into action, trying it out, understanding who he is. You want to be a Christian? You've got to do that stuff. If you don't, Fine, if you're the thief on the cross and this is your last day on earth, then, you know, you read some verses and get to know a little bit. You're not going to get through the whole book in a day. And you've got to buy. You've, you're through to the next round. You don't have to read the whole book. That's absolutely fine. For the rest of us, God willing, we haven't got any excuse. No excuse. Stop making excuses. They're excuses. And they don't wash. Don't wash with me, so I don't think they're going to wash with God. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me after the message. Please, please do. Criticize me. It's fine. I love it. Number two. So that's number one. Get to know him. Number two. Let's, let's read some verses. Matthew 7, 7 to 10. He says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? That word ask, and that word seek, and that word, word knock. Okay? Those words are con- like a continual present tense. So some translations will, and this is, this is right because it's Greek, that means to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking. Not just ask once and then complain that it didn't happen. And I know that you might argue with me, yeah, but it doesn't it say somewhere about not being like the heathens and just repetition and asking and asking and asking, but that's not what, he's not meaning this. He's meaning like big, loud prayers in front of everyone for everyone to hear. This is on about private stuff. This is the stuff when you're at work and you're kind of getting on, you're driving to work, you're on the commute, you're on the bus, you're at home, and, and, and there's this thing that is on your mind that you need, that God placed there in your life. You are almost, every waking moment, you're asking God, and you're seeking the answer, and you're knocking on the door. You keep at it, you don't give up, you keep on going. The stones will cry out if you don't, you know. The stones will cry out, it says. I'm not trying to whip it up. No, I am trying to flip and whip it up. Because the stones will cry out if we don't praise him. If you think this is God speaking to you, every time God speaks to you, make some noise. Not me, but God. Every time you go, yeah, God's telling me something here. Make some noise. Praise him because the rocks will cry out if we don't. 
When I think about the times when God has answered my prayers and he's shown me something, he's directed me along a path, they are always times when I have sought him almost continually. Just non-stop going to him, seeking him, trying to get the answer from him, trying to figure it out, trying to understand it, knocking, 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 knocking. Again, do we want our lives to be like a comic book? Do you want everything just handed to you on a plate, really easy and like spoon-fed? Like a toddler, just spoon-fed, just giving it all really, really easy. Because the problem is we, we moan and complain that it's too hard. Yet if it was too easy, we'd moan and complain about that because we'd be like, well, it's just too easy and I'm bored. And there was the challenge in life and this is just, anyone can do it. Difficulty, challenge makes for meaningful. If life's not meant to be easy. Come on, think about this for a moment. There was a fall It was your fault. Don't blame Adam and Eve. Don't blame Adam and Eve, right? Because if you were Adam or you were Eve, you'd have done exactly the same thing. Come on. Every single one of us would have all done exactly the same thing. There was a fall. It's not meant to be so easy. It's meant to be a challenge Maybe it's called faith. Like if you could see it all, like if you had the, you know, the, 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 it all there in front of you. I mean, what do you want? When you're in faith waiting for something, what is it that you want? What is it? What will satisfy you? Literally, those of you that are waiting on stuff and you say, oh, this hasn't happened and I'm waiting on this and I'm waiting on that and struggling for this. What is it, you, what is it that you want? Do, 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 you, do you just want the thing to happen just at the click of the fingers? That's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. Some of you might go, yeah, but you don't know what I want and, I, and this is important and I want this. And Yeah, yeah, I get that. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not belittling that. But in that bit in the middle when you're waiting for it. What do you want there? What do you want God to do that's really gonna kinda, you, do you wanna, because here's, in my experience, here's what people want. Do you want a promise off man, not off God? Do you want the doctor to say to them? Do you want the bank manager to say to them? Do you want the, 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 the boss to say to them, here's your promotion? They're more concerned about the boss saying, here's your promotion, or, or, or the doctor saying, yeah, you're cured, than God saying it. Yeah. When, when man says it, let's be honest about this, when man says it, that's the time when most people will celebrate and stick it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitbook and post and all that. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Oh, yeah, look what God's done and all of that. Not like, how many times has anyone ever seen a post go up that, hey, this is incredible. God just promised me he's going to do this. It's not happened yet. 
God's just promised me he's going to do this. This is incredible. And, and they're all coming and want to give testimony at church. Anyone want to get up and give testimony about something that God's promised you that you've got no evidence for other than that yet? I'm not, I'm not hearing anyone asking me for that. You get lots of people wanting to share what, what's happened now and the evidence and it's all seen and yeah, but not like the bit before. What's the difference? If you're genuinely a Christian, right? If you genuinely believe in God, these are, this is deep faith now. This is getting to the real depth of faith of being a genuine Christian, not just a nominal Christian. This is full gospel, right? Doesn't matter whether you even see it in your lifetime. If you never see it, if you never see that thing happen and you die in faith, doesn't matter. What does it matter? What difference does it make? Who are we living for? Are we living for the world and for this life or are we living for God and for eternity? Because if you're living for God and eternity and it's black and white, it's like being pregnant or not pregnant, you can't be half this. If God says that, you can't be half this. You either are or you aren't. It is binary. You're either all in for him or you're not. There's no in-between. The in-between stuff, in fact, he says is puke to him. It's puke. It's vile, disgusting, horrible. He hates it. He wants all. In fact, he'd rather you were cold than in the middle. But don't be cold. Be, be hot. Be hot, yeah? You guys need a lot of encouragement. Honestly. No, there's no, no, it's, it's that passive. It's active. You've got to be, no, you've got to be more active. You've got to say some stuff. Uh, right. If you want the best out of me, then you've got to be more active. Think about it. You, you just want to, like, you've all been to seen sports events and football games. And, and, you know, when the crowd get involved, does that not boost them? Yeah, it, it's the same. Don't sit there and just keep your mouth shut and not say anything. And think, that doesn't matter. I can just sit here and it's all on him and he's up there doing all of this. No, it's, it's a joint thing. It's all of us. We're, it's, we're a church, aren't we? Yeah, this ain't just, you know, we're not, we're not some like old-fashioned church where the guy, oh, I'll stand on the door shaking your hand on the way out. You don't see me do that stuff, do you? <laughs> that's, that's not what we're doing here. This is real stuff we're doing here. We're living the life. We're trying to do it the way that God wants us to do it. I'm not like, bless you and all that stuff. We don't do that. This is like, we're all in it together. And this is the third point. It's great. It leads so well into the third point. I hadn't planned that bit either. That's, this is, you, Ludlock actually helps out by being too quiet. So that was, that was good. Okay, that was good for that bit, right? It's <laughs> probably a good point to move on to the third point because we've got five minutes, 32 seconds left. So better move on to number three. Matthew 14, 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Let's just focus on that second bit. You give them something to eat. Like, more and more, right? I mean, we've got this project going on in the building, and, and so there'll be people coming to me, and I'm like, just you do it, figure it out. <laughs> Don't ask me, just figure it out, come on. 
If you want to come and help with the building project, right, honestly, come to figure stuff out and whatever. And we've got to do that, haven't we? You give them something to eat. It, it's ministry. It's ministry. It's not us just sat back passively living our lives and God's going to do all the miracles for us and we just sit back and watch it all as, a, as an observer. No, actually, we're active participants. This is the third point. If you want to live the full gospel life, then you have to be active. You have to get up out of your seat and do some faith. You have to do something. You have to say something. You have to speak to some people. You have to upset some people. You have to get some problems going on in your life. You, you can live the mediocre life and never upset everyone. Well, you can't because that'll annoy people because people will hate you for that. Do you realize that? Come on. If you live that life, you're never as sickly sweet. People will hate you for that, right? So you may as well get out there and upset some people and actually do it intentionally. At least it's like, you know, may as well go out there and upset some people on purpose. At least I've actually done it. It's better. It feels better. Actually feels better when you do that, you know. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's so true, you know. There's some, there's some people, there's the, odd, the odd person, there's probably only two or three over the years where we've actually gone, That's it, listen, let's have a conversation. It's time you left and found another church. This ain't the place for you. You're going to get upset anyway. You're going to leave and start moaning and complaining. So you may as well do it and be able to blame me for it. You know, off you go. Just go and, and then have your moan and complain and call me and get on Facebook and say all your stuff and whatever. And then at least, at least it's like, well, okay, I'll take it on my shoulders. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I don't mean that as glibly as it sounds. I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point. You know when Jesus said, cut your right arm off? He didn't actually mean we should all go around cutting our right arms off or gouging our eyes out. You know, he's exaggerating to make a point. Does that make sense? You give them something to eat. Ask yourself, the situation in your life, are you waiting for God to do something and you're not? And actually, it's down to you. you. You know, one of the problems is, right, back to this one of it's uncomfortable. You, you feel upset and you, you, the emotions, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm anxious. I'm, I've got this problem and I don't know how I'm going to sort it out. And, and I'm worried about this and, and I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. And all of these different things, right? Anyone experience those feelings? Yeah? And, and so you feel like that, right? And then that's bad. That's bad, isn't it? Good. That was silence. That's good because it's not bad. The problem is that everyone thinks that's bad. They think that those negative feelings, the, 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 the kind of, the, the real keep you awake at night feelings are the problem. They're not the problem. Your inactivity is often the problem. That you, you're not doing something about it. You see, more often than not, Oh, I'm, I want to argue always, but I'm not quite sure I can go as far as always. I'm like, if always is, is there, I'm like as close as I can get to always, right? Those kind of feelings that we call negative are not problems at all. They're not issues at all. They're there to motivate you to take action, they're there to get you up out of your seat to do something, maybe to get you down on your knees, 
Maybe it's to get you to go and talk to someone and get some help. Maybe it's to, I don't know what it is, but to get you to do something. So instead of praying that those feelings will go away and you'll stop feeling like this and you'll feel better and the problems will go and they'll be dealt with, maybe change your prayers to asking God, hey God, what is it I need to do? What are these, these feelings, these emotions that you created God created them and everything he created was good. And I know there's the fall post that, but still those emotions are there. So maybe they're there to motivate you to take action. Maybe they're trying to speak to you. Come on, come on. Take action, do something. Do something, whether that's prayer, searching the word, going and speaking to someone and getting help, whatever it is, do something. Stop moaning and do something about your situation. You could, you've got the power. You've got the power. You've got the power. You've got the power. You, anyone read Acts? Yeah? The clue's in the name. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying not to make it. It is quite amuse myself with that. Um, pro- <laughs> All right, number four. Let's get through it because we've got minus 35 seconds. Number four. Okay. Pro- <laughs> Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Number four is really something God will do for you. And this is relationships. He'll send people. He'll put people in your circle. He'll put people around you that have been sent by him to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to encourage you. He will send people and, and sometimes, ever done that thing where someone's talking to you and they're telling you something and you're not kind of getting it and all of a sudden you kind of have this clicking moment and you realize, ah, you're trying to tell me something. And it might not necessarily be them. It might be God trying to tell you something. But relationships. You need good, healthy relationships in your life. Providential relationships, providence from God, God ordained, God placed the relationships that will help you, that will lead you, that will guide you. Read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. His rod and his staff. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's always there with you. He makes a table in the presence of your enemies just to wind them up. (laughs) Come on, I'm going to do that one. That's mine. Come on, Adam. Jump off. Come on, let me have have a go. Let me have a a go. It's a long time since I've sat on these. Um, Yeah, pass me that tablet a minute. I need that. Just for, on the iPad, on the pulpit, on the pulpit. Yeah, bring the pulpit over. <laughs> stay up, because that'll give hope to the worship team that I'm not going to stay on these for too long. 
Because they'll be worrying now. They'll be anxious thinking, well, hold on, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Thanks, son. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll make you sit down in the middle of your enemies. And just do that and go, have some of that. <sighs> you better take them back. I'll get too carried away. In the middle of your enemies, put a smile on your face. Be joyous. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can put a smile on your face. You can be in faith. The fifth one, the final one, as we pass to the worship team, it's coming. Do not be anxious. Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable? Are you not more valuable? Are you not more valuable? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... In all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles, the heathens, if you like, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, but, everything before the but. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, come on, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, it's down to God. It's down to God. Having said all of that, that whole message, it's down to God. Having done all of those things, it's down to God. So why worry? Why is your soul disturbed? Why are you worrying? Why do you care? Why are you bothered? Why are you anxious? Why are you upset? Why are you disturbed? Why? 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 Don't be anxious over nothing. It's all down to him and he will do it. Amen. Come on, guys. Come on. Hallelujah.